Welcome to Newcastle Libraries Real. Newcastle Libraries can be accessed wherever you are using the Newcastle Libraries app. So why not put borrowing at your fingertips? We would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land on which we live, the Awabakal and Waramai people, who were the first storytellers of this nation and are the proud survivors of more than 200 years of continuing dispossession. This is the Broken Chain series presented by Newcastle Libraries Real and local artist Damien Lenane. The views, thoughts and opinions expressed throughout the series are solely attributed to the host and guests of the program and do not reflect the official policy or position of the City of Newcastle. The following episode of Broken Chains contains coarse language. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to another episode of Broken Chains, a prison podcast. My name is Damien Lenane and I was sentenced to two years imprisonment in November 2015 for crimes the sentencing magistrate described as vigilante action. Broken Chains is recorded on the traditional land of the Awabakal people and I'd like to pay my respects to elders, especially considering how greatly our prison system impacts on Indigenous people to this day. Every week on Broken Chains we talk to a different former inmate and on today's episode we'll be chatting to Jade about his experiences and his journey towards becoming an artist. Yes, it was broken. It's really great to have you on uh, Broken Chains, Jade, especially since uh, you're an artist. And I don't think I've mentioned this on the podcast uh, yet, but um, I was actually asked to create this podcast to complement my um, art exhibition of the same name, you know, Broken Chains. So yeah, it's really great to have you here. Why don't we start with you introducing yourself and telling us a bit about your story, whatever you're happy to share. I think firstly, I'd like to say I'm an artist here in Newcastle. I work at a Newcastle art space. And um, before I turned to art, I was in the military. And then I kind of had a little bit of a stint in prison. So that was a little bit of a uh, direction change in my life. I'm actually really excited to have an artist on the program because... I wasn't an artist before I went to prison at all, and I, I, it, while I was in there, like the first thing I did was I, I wrote a novel, and that took up half of my sentence, and then I was like, well, what am I going to do now? And I started teaching myself to draw. I'd never done any art in there before. Um, it's my understanding that you'd done some art before prison, is that right? Uh, yeah, I've done pretty much art all my life since I've been a kid. I've, I had this thing called, I think it's called synesthesia. Oh, it's synesthesia, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, Basically, it's where you hear sound or you hear music. Mine was the piano, and then I would start to associate images with those sounds. Yeah, I think I think the first time I sat before a piano, I started to play the low notes, and then I seen a, I think it was a tiger in, in the grass appear, like looking through the grass at me, and I was just like, what is this, you know? I have a bit of an understanding of what you're talking about because I had an ex-girlfriend who had synesthesia and she said that certain sounds have like a colour for her and things. So, you, yeah, it's a bit the same for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, especially bass. <laughs> the <laughs> lowest sounding keys on the piano was uh, enough to give me some really strong images, which strangely enough um, just turned into these big collage drawings that look like basically a back piece on someone's tattoo. So I was, I was at about five years old doing back pieces in my nan's lounge room. The family were just like blown away. Like it was just basically, it looked like tattoo art. I didn't, I'd never seen a tattoo art when I was like five. And I was doing these big collage drawings with a pen. And um, I basically 
went on to do some design art and then I got to about 16 and I just had this internal decision to kind of stick with that that style of collage work that I was doing which was really complicated and quite instinctive yeah and I turned away from doing basically what everyone else was doing in art school and started just to concentrate on the stuff that I could hear inside my own heart I guess Um, and that kind of led me to a style today where it's very distinct I guess or very recognizable for me stands out I guess and kind of keeps me interested in art so I can be very flexible with that type of style of work yeah, I'd never done art before, so I just I got myself a pack of pencils and some paper, and that and I basically just stuck with that. But you're more into painting and things, from what I saw on your Instagram and stuff. Actually, I'm a pen artist, so I've kind of just if you give me a pen, I can sit down and draw for hours. Right. And basically, that's what I did all through my school. Was uh, the teacher just said to me, "If you be quiet and go at the back of the class and uh, show me the picture on the way out the door, I'll pass you." That combined with uh, being I guess a sports person. I got through school quite easily, so you, yeah, that you, was interesting. You, you look like you did pretty well at sports. For <laughs> for those of you who like, can't see what I'm seeing, like Jade's uh, arms are like the size of my legs. He's yeah. typical artist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, what what do you bench, by the way? If you don't mind me asking. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably more than I weigh, but yeah, <laughs> enough. But yeah, it kind of gets a lot of people talking when they see me and then see the work that I do they kind of don't there's no connection straight away yeah I I can yeah I I can literally see that yeah so what what kind of art did you focus on making while you were inside well that's strange I basically resorted back to what I did at school um, Mm -hmm. and I went picked up a pen and went and sat by myself because I was from the military I was in a prison where there were (laughs) terrorists at the time I don't know whose decision was to put me in there with those Mm -hmm. terrorists yeah it was quite quite tense so I didn't know who to trust, and I basically just went back to being myself, which is a strange thing about prison. You resort to back to what you know. So I went and picked up a pen and went and sat by myself with a um, big piece of paper on the table and just started drawing. And i just done that every day. And that allowed me to keep my distance from people and allow people to come near me who I wanted to at my, you know, at my pace. And I'd be able to talk to who I do, did want to talk to and who I didn't want to talk to. And... Um, I just drew and I slowly got to introduce people that kind of started to trust and and it was hard for me because I'd never been to prison. I'd never been in trouble before. My first time I went to prison I was looking at nine years or something which was, I wasn't able to smile, I wasn't able to speak to anyone so it was good for me to just go sit and draw by myself and try and just understand the situation I was in. That was the, that was the hardest thing because it was pretty demoralising. If you yeah. can understand the situation, you can cope with it. If you can't, well, you don't really know what to do. So I just went back to drawing and I kind of kept that as my little uh, world. I was lucky that just through sitting there, I guess other people were watching me. Just everyone's watching everyone in prison. Because of my military experience and the unit I was in, I, I got a little bit of respect, I guess, above the common inmate. They sent me to an art school. So there was the actual corrective services screws, uh, what else, corrective officers. They sent, listen, um, you should be doing something with your work. Do you want to go to this art school? And I was like, it was just like, it sounded like this awesome place. Like, yeah, <laughs> it, was like it was like a utopia that <laughs> like when I spoke to other inmates, they're like, oh, yeah, it's awesome. You get your own room and 
apparently that was a good thing. Like I had no idea what was a good thing in a prison. Like everything was shit to me. So I was like, yeah, it's a new, it's a whole new world. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I was like, okay, well, if this is better than this because this isn't real great at the moment. Let's just do that. And I and I wasn't enthusiastic, honestly. I couldn't. I wasn't happy about anything. I just was just sitting there in shock. I couldn't smile. I couldn't really joke with anyone. So it was probably best I was just sitting there with a pen. And <laughs> I um I can identify with what you're saying. When I first went in, I was writing and I was I was doing what you were doing. I was sitting in the corner somewhere with a notepad. And I remember a guy came up to me one day and I'd never really talked to him before. And he's like, he's like, I, I like you. You just keep to yourself. You do your own time. And I was like, well, thank thank you. I I think. And I I'm not sure if I was trying to revert back to something but that was just like how I constructively pass the time but uh yeah so I can I, I know what that's like and um yeah we're, we're transitioning from the military to prison as well how, how old were you when you went into prison 20 26 I think okay yeah I was 29 so yeah similar age and I mean I was only um in the reserves myself but I did I used to do a lot of work with the army and I yeah transitioning from yeah there into Prison was uh, interesting, but um, yeah, it wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. Because I, like, I had people in there, like they're like, "How are you coping in here? You, you you're educated and stuff, and you you're not you don't fit in with us." And I was like, "Oh, well, you know, this is ten times easier than being in the army. There's there's less rules. I mean, there's uh, uh not as much opportunity. I can't go home on the weekends, for example." Yeah, did you find uh, transitioning from the military? Did you think that helped? I went in with another co-offender. It was actually one of my friends from, from my unit, which I used to train with every day. So our life didn't really change. Yeah. <laughs> it really didn't change a hell of a lot. Uh, we just get up in the morning and go train. And um, the difference was I would do art in the afternoons and mm. during the night. So, And I remember him one night said, he just sitting there and he's just watching me. And he goes, you're so lucky. And I was like, yeah, we're in jail. So, 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 so I'm so lucky, bro. Like, you know. And he goes, nah, he goes, you can just sit there and draw for hours. He goes, I just sit here and watch you draw for hours and you're just away. And mm. I was like, I didn't really understand that, but it would become one of the most valuable things that I had in there was my art. Do you find art helped you escape at all? Definitely. Like I, like, like I said, I, I got in there and I got hit with nine years and mm. I, I couldn't speak to anyone. So I just started drawing and I got sent to Long Bay, which is... Um, it was, it's an art, it was an art program. Yeah, that's where the art school was, yeah, right? The, yeah. the day I finished, the program shut down and it hasn't been open since. But it, um, it, it is an opportunity for people to get out of jail mm. and have a career. Like it's, a part, it's probably the, one of the few pathways that has been made available by the arts to allow people to get out of jail and keep going on with their life and become something else. So for me, I got down there and I was very unhappy. I couldn't speak to anyone. And I met my art teacher, Jan Birmingham. She's a little old French lady. And basically, she just said, that's such dark art. No one wants to see that. Why are you doing that? And she basically just pushed me every single day to do colourful work. You know, for the first six months, we kind of, I didn't really speak to her. I just was like, I don't care. Mm. You know, I, I didn't. <laughs> Yeah. Just, Who are you, lady? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like you know, yeah. I, like mm. what, you know. And then, um, I started to do more colourful work, and it just started selling. Like I think I sold two hundred paintings or something. No, I done. Sorry, I painted two hundred paintings, and I sold half my work within two years. It was enough to give me an opportunity to realise that I had a second chance at life. You know, I didn't know what I was going to do. I just thought, you know, I could probably get out in bodybuilding my bodybuilding sponsorships were still there and you know I kind of was hanging on to that a little bit but 
I was in a lot of shame from losing my army career because I was attached to a special forces unit and where I was going with my career at the time and you know the boys all went overseas just as I went to prison. I just felt I let down a lot of people. I actually did care that I did get in trouble. I did not care. You know, I got to a point where I actually realised I could actually do something in this in that place with what I was doing. You know, I guess when I first got in there, I, I hadn't practised art like I knew I should. So it gave me the opportunity to sharpen my skills up. Like, I was basically relearning, you know, like, your coordination. And that sounds mm. strange, but it's, you know, so it's a coordination type of thing where you see an image and you either make it or you don't kind of thing. Combination between hand coordination and mind coordination. It's something I thought always thought was ironic. It's like people are pretty obsessed with like training their bodies, like in you know, gyms and stuff in prison. But uh, people were a lot less interested in training training their minds. And I always thought, you know, that was, I mean, that's a shame. Like, oh yeah, yeah, you got a big chest and stuff. But yeah, what what are you doing to improve? You know, yourself outside. I just. Yeah, the uh, the quality of my art. I mean, I, I only did it for the last five months of my sentence, which was the second half. Yeah, it definitely got a lot better. You just, you know, practice makes perfect, of course. People wouldn't believe me that I hadn't drawn before I went in there because, I don't know, it just um, certainly found a lot of things in my life that I'm not naturally good at. Turns out art's one of them. It was, yeah, a skill I think I always had and uh, I always would have had. I just never, never had <laughs> made the time to give it a go. Yes. It was broken. I've seen some pretty, pretty scary things in there. One time, I think there was, I think there was maybe seventy-five people in the brawl. There's like guys just running around the yard with knives, like like full of like knives that you have like, you know, yes, bread knives. Like. So, so not a not a prison shiv like you see in the movies, an actual knife, like you know. No, well, yeah. this was this was at um, yeah. Long Bay, and Long Bay is like renowned for. I don't know if anyone's been in jail, but look up Long Bay and weapons and mm -hmm. you'll get an insight into what's available. And I mean, you know, so, like some, some of the saddest thing I've seen too is like a guy had been stabbed and the nurse wouldn't get, wasn't allowed in the yard because she was scared and the guy's dying away. You know what I mean? Mm. Like shit like that. Like it's, what am I doing here in this mm. place? You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, and that, but then I've had other situations where I used to, I used to get up in the morning, I'd take my art stuff out and I'd uh, go to this island at Long Bay and I'd put all my art stuff out and start drawing. I'd draw a morning and I pretty much was a 70, 75 people in each yard. This is where that big riot kicked off. There's a lot of riots there. It's just because there's so many people in the yards. It's two yards close to each other. Mm. Uh, I think it was Nine Wing and something else. Anyway, it's just really small yards. And I just sit out there and draw. And I talk to everyone all morning. People would pull up and, you know, make a comment on your art. And then, you know, I, 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 what I'd found is, is that everyone, art affects, you know, everyone has an artist in their family. There was just so many people there that mm. were um, involved in art. But I was sitting there one day, as I normally do, big pictures, pencils, everything. You wouldn't believe how much art stuff I have out in the yard. It looked like a full art studio out in the yard. Um, I carried my bag out in the morning. They searched all my stuff and then let it through and off I'd go and paint. But then one day I heard this, hey, Farrell, grab your stuff. I'm about to fire the gas. The gas canister will burn your work. So, <laughs> so I looked up the, up the tower. I'm like, thanks. I uh, picked up my art stuff and I just like moved it to a shelter and then <laughs> yeah, fair enough, bang, the gas canister went off and, and the, the, another riot kicked off. I got a lot of respect in there just by doing art. Um, yeah, I found the same, yeah. Mm. It's, uh, if you could create something in a situation there where uh, it's quite negative, uh, I found not only the prison officers, I'd just call them screws, I'd, I, mm. don't know, I know it's going to be offensive, but it's just what you... 
just easier. And the inmates, like, I found both protected my art studio as much as the other. Like, I remember I had scalpels in my room, poskas, like, you're not going to have a posca in jail. No. Yeah. If, if anyone sees a posca, like the big fat one in the jail, I had boxes of them in my room, which mm. never, never were stolen. I didn't have those pencils stolen. It's it's it funny the things that are, yeah, people wouldn't think it's contraband. And then something that people don't understand is most of the contraband in prison, it's not actually stuff that's dangerous. It's just stuff you're not allowed to have because, you know, you, 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 you know, you cause a muck with something like that, like a poster pen in, yeah, in well, prison. I think yeah. I, had a, I had a cutting mat, which everyone knows what a cutting mat is. And mm. then I had the scalpel mm. in my room, like just in the maximum security. And, um, I had a, a pretty much, I think about three easels in there and I'd just do like, it was like a basically an art studio in my room. I used to have a one out, so I'd use the top of the top bunk to store art and then I'd use underneath the bed for all art stuff. And I remember the, the art teacher used to come in and it's like, oh, I need some yellow paint. And they have to go into my room and pull out the bottom crate and try and find, you know, like mm. a tub of paint or something like that because I had so much in my room. But I used it as studio. I, I, I was doing like, I think four or five paintings a week and the prison staff would come in the morning and they'd, they'd be sitting in my room with people and someone would be like, oh, they're in your room, you're in your room. And I'm like, yeah, they're just looking. Yeah, yeah. They've been there having coffee, you know, but because you've always got eyes on everyone, someone's always watching something, they'd like, be out there doing, you know, drawing something. Like, oh, they're in your room. I was like, yeah, I know. They're like probably just looking at the work and they would, they'd stand yeah. in there and have their coffees and there'd be probably 11 to 12 officers every morning yeah. um, on muster and they're talking about art. But the thing I found was is that when prison officers start buying your work and talking to you on the side about your work and um, appreciate it, that was a different, that was, that's what I mean by the second chance in life. Like I was actually accepted back into life by people. I wasn't just in green, nothing. I felt like, you know, I had some value because I was creating something that I could speak to someone about on a different level, which would take me out of the prison. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, that was they're probably the most valuable times when, a, you know, a prison officer say, oh, I came out on the weekend and I bought a piece of work and I'm going to buy another piece next week or something like that. That's pretty cool, yeah. So, you know, those those things were the, I guess, stepping stones or confirmation points for me that was like I have the ability to get back into life. Um, I didn't believe it. I, I didn't, when I got the nine years, I didn't, I, you know, I couldn't even smile. But once... Um, I met Jan and she started to push me to, to do more colourful work and the work started selling. It gave me a confidence that it, it's, it's the strangest thing in the world. It's like you may know, everyone may around you may know that you're an artist. Mm -hmm. You've been doing it all your life. It's like not a, a big, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's like a duh, you're an artist. Like, But until you say it yourself, you don't believe it. Yeah. And I was at that point where all I've ever done is art. Mm. I've done bodybuilding that, but you know, I mean, my focus in my life has always been art first. But until I got to the point where I actually believed in myself, and then one day I was just sitting, I was like, maybe, maybe I'm an artist. And I think my girlfriend, she's, she's, did you just say that? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, but it was. I just I remember when I said it because it was like really a turning point where I was like, okay, I seen prison at that stage as an opportunity to use the situation I was in to actually bring the stuff I was going through inside there out and show it to people and share it to people. Um, for the first two years, I didn't draw an image of anything inside the prison. I just drew fantasy art. I just drew windows to another world, like really colourful fantasy um, sceneries, mm -hmm. just windows out of a jail. can completely appreciate that. Yeah, yeah and then um, as I became more in control of uh, my creativity and 
understanding of that this is a, this is an opportunity and I can use this and now what else I started to uh, use the prisoners like my subject or, or substance and I started to um, do studies on you know drawings of the prison like I, I started to get up and draw every day at, on the back of a buyout form or something like that I draw a, an image from the prison every day or uh, a portrait of someone or I got to the stage where I felt like I was like an investigative journalist where I'd made up a heap of questions and started to question guys that were in for serious crime. I called, I thought I'd do this exhibition called The Murderers and I did a heap of questions where I'd go speak to people because I was in there for such a long time. I was a trusted, if you're in there with guys that are doing a year sentence where you don't really get to know someone but if you're in there for four or five years you get to know people that are in there doing 10 year sentences so you kind of get to, you know what I mean, it's like yeah, yeah. you get a bit of trust, you know that person's um, worthwhile spending your energy on because you see so many people every day come and go it's like mm. you don't want to tell your story a thousand times because mm-hmm. every time you tell that story it drains you you know so i kind of decided that i'd go and speak to these people and just my thing was it really wasn't for me i felt that i was getting out i was only doing five years which it sounds like a lot but once you're in there five years and it's not a really big sentence when you're talking about when you're with guys that are doing life it's just a totally different thing. So I just went up to him and said, listen, I, I'm going to get out. I'm going to do exhibitions. And um, I just had the foresight. I said, listen, what, what do you want to say? Like, what, do you want to say something? I don't, I don't, I don't care what you've done. I'm just going to get out and I'm going to, one day someone will be able to look at your portrait and, and read this interview and, and here's an opportunity to say something because I just felt like prison was like, just a time capsule once you're in there, the world, you're disconnected from the world. Yeah, the world keeps changing, but you stay the same in there. Yeah, yeah. you're not allowed to have an impact. Like some of the most insightful, impactful people of our generation are silenced for prison. You know what I mean? And a lot of these people that have now made these decisions, like even though they've gone the wrong way, they're still being bold enough to get into life put himself in a situation and you know yes they may have made the wrong decision but you know sometimes sometimes the wrong decision isn't actually the wrong decision it just might be you know the wrong decision for the law or something like that and the more i spoke to people especially with stuff like um people that murder people and stuff like that it's not straightforward yes the law and the morality of things they're just it's a totally different thing like i guess bouncing off that is it's like the people that I seen that were in prison, I think I was in maybe about, you know, maybe probably about 10 people that were in there for murder. Probably five of those were like heinous, serious crimes, stuff like that. But the rest of it was mental illness. I, I didn't see, I didn't see crime. I seen people that were uh, trying to self-medicate and through trying to self-medicate, they were getting in trouble, becoming addicted to stuff. I, I just didn't see, I didn't see the, the prison system matching the, the time matching the crime, the prison system matching the people, the the disproportion between everything, it just it, and the fact that the prison system makes money off that, there's something wrong with the whole thing. Like it just doesn't it for me, knowing coming from the military and being part of a system and then going and watching what and observing what's going on there as an artist as well, not just as an inmate, as an artist, which kind of gave me a, a little bit different perspective. Things weren't adding up. It was just like 
the mental aspect side of things was just a net which was scooping hundreds of people that shouldn't have been there. Like, I, I really feel like prisons, like the cracks through where everybody, if you fall through, yeah, the cracks of society, that's where you end up. If you, if you, if you know, homeless outreach or like your yeah, mental health or or whatever you, you needed, yeah, wasn't there to support you. Yeah, you end up filtering through to the gutter of you know, yeah. of society. Which, I, I, I just I seen that so much, and I, I just didn't. I didn't feel I was around criminals. I thought I was. I felt around people that had problem with education or hadn't had something traumatic in their life knock them off track, and they never got back on track again. Yes, it was broken. For me personally, um, I drew every day in prison for the last several months, and by the time I got out, I was a bit drawn out, and I didn't actually do any art for about a year after I got out but then I got back into it and now I'm you know I've currently got an art exhibition on and stuff like did you continue with the art straight away like after you got out no that was a I went straight back into bodybuilding so right. I got out of prison and uh three days after I got out I won the New South Wales NABBA bodybuilding title and that was a pretty emotional thing for me because after four years in prison I was like have I still got this can I mm. do it I didn't I hadn't even seen a mirror like uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, no mirrors. Yeah, before there. I went on stage, um, there's no mirror. Like I was using like a, I don't know, whatever it is, like the little mirrors that we get for 20 bucks. Yeah. I was using that to get ready for a bodybuilding show. So I didn't even really know what I looked like. And the day before, like about 20 minutes before I got on stage, I, I screamed at my coach. I'm like, I don't even know what I effing look like. Find me a mirror. I can't mm. go on stage because yeah. I hadn't seen myself properly, you know? Like, right. I, I kind of had, but it's not. It's not the same. It's not the same, you know? Mm. And like, mm. and I, had, I probably had seen myself since I got home, but you know, on the day there's no mirrors at the show. So I really hadn't had an idea in my mind of what I look like. So I looked in the mirror and everything looked all right. Mm. And I went out and won and come backstage. And I was just that moment off stage. I started crying. I was like four years, all that stuff. And it kind of came to that kind of pinnacle. And I was like by myself again. And I was like, wow, this is, I jumped straight back into bodybuilding, got success. So kind of trying to ride that out a bit. But inside me, it was tearing me up because I was painting five paintings a week. I was painting like an animal in jail. Like I honestly was. It's all I'd done. I paint all night. Get up, train, paint. No interference. I was just really on my game. And then when I got out, I didn't paint for. I didn't paint for about a year. It messed me up. It put me into a psych ward, and I lost my my emotion. My my relationship broke down. With my girlfriend invited the cops back into my life, and I even said to my dad, I said, you know what, dad, I was I was actually happy in prison. I said at least I was painting, and he's like, don't say that. And I was like, well. Mm. Uh, it's honestly the truth. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And so, I eventually got to a stage where I split up my missus, which was a good thing because it's strange when you um, become aware of where your destination's going and stuff like that. Sometimes people don't like you in that mode. People want you to be vulnerable, and and the guy that just got out of prison and down, and you know they can kind of shoebox you a little bit. And you know, I don't know. I just I just felt that if you put me in an art studio. I'm away, like a, a boat, a sailing boat on the water, you know what I mean? Like you put me in the you off I go. When I'm not in that situation, things don't go very well for me, you know what I mean? Like I don't, socially I don't like to interact with people, I don't, I don't like going out and drink out, so I actually just, I just like drawing the studio and that's, that's you know, that's I really enjoy that, that's, that's how I get things done in life. When you take that away from me, my life starts to break down really, really bad. And it's the same with my training. If one of those things starts getting out of whack or I kind of go off the rails a bit, um, but then I guess I done my first exhibition. I got rid of my missus, and things got back on track. Yeah, and I went straight back into the studio, 
I met a new girl who, for me, I need someone in my life that can pretty much just baby me. I've just always been like, oh, I need to have a partner. I can't, I can't, I don't do very well on my own. If mm-hmm. I'm on my own, I start getting destructive and life goes the wrong way. So um, I met a new girl and she obviously had seen all the work I'd done in prison, had a belief in me. And she invested some money into me to do my first exhibition, get a website, business cards and stuff like that. And I did my first show here in Newcastle, which was a pretty good success. And I had like a little kind of write-up and stuff in the paper, which was kind of explaining, you know, just the steps I'd made from prison and stuff like that, which was, I kind of now had a message to tell people, like um, there is a way to change your life around. Like I didn't even, when I got into it, I didn't even know that this was possible. And then I kind of had the belief that it is possible. So I kind of just wanted to share that with people now. Um, and then now it's, it's kind of gone into other things. Like I joined um, Newcastle Art Space after that, which was a local, just a hub of artists around here. That was interesting because I got to see the politics of art and, you know, the mm-hmm. other side of art, which I'd never really experienced, which I enjoyed because it's all part of art. Yeah, I started to do a few joint exhibitions there, started to do some murals, just some, and my work became a lot bigger. Like uh, in prison, I was doing reasonably big work, which I was doing some, some of my work was 1.5 uh, or two meters by a meter or something, which is quite big for prison because normally they'll give you if you know an art, they'll get in prison. They'll give you like a small piece of canvas and say, "There you go." Yeah. And um, off you go, or a piece of paper and say, "You know that do do your great artwork on that," which is significantly not enough. Yeah. So I just went to Newcastle Art Space and started my work started getting bigger and I started getting more joint um, exhibitions. Things have kind of gone on from there. Where at the moment I do a lot of volunteer stuff. Where a big thing for me was getting my working with children's clearance, which. I was afraid of because not that I've done anything wrong. Yeah, no, same. Because I had a prison record, I just was like, I don't know. You just. I wasn't sure if I could get mine either, and I was was, because yeah. Again, my sentence had nothing to do with children, but um, yeah, I was like, I was on the fence. I'm like, do they give these to prisoners, former prisoners? And yeah, I was, um, I was a little bit surprised when I got mine back as well. But it's always that thing, like people want to say, people want to tell you that if you've done something, if you've been to prison, you can't do anything. Like Mm. it's, I've found this message repetitively since I've got now. It's like, oh, you went to prison, oh, you can't do that, Mm. or you can't do that. But there is always a way. There's, there's always people out there that. Uh, see the value in your story. Uh, want you to be involved in things, you know, and, and and see that if you've put if you put enough effort into anything, people will recognise it. Yep. And um, I think like one of the things I I realised was that I just wanted to share what I went through, and I wanted to share it with younger people because I really felt like a lot of the stuff that happens to the younger people is done in the dark. You know, if, if people knew about the consequences of their actions or the length of prison they would get or, you know, just the rules basically or some of the legal parameters that you, you know, you don't you don't realise until you're actually there, you're looking at 25 years, I think it would affect a lot of people's decision-making in life. I, I, th- I really feel that the legal or the law is getting away with a lot of stuff in the dark because they just spring in on people at the last moment, whereas if people were educated, they definitely wouldn't be uh, involved in any of these type of things or will try a lot harder not to be so so now I, I try and volunteer as much as I can to I've got a mural project coming up where I just do free murals for people and mm-hmm. I just generate I just give my time and um, I just ask them to pay for the paints or whatever and um, I can just teach you know young people that want to be involved which uh, I can't think of anything as more 
awesome. They're just getting out and painting in the streets and just sharing that people, art's a powerful thing and it goes a long way. Definitely sounds like a really worthwhile project. I'll have to keep my eye out for that. Well, how I met you is we're going to be in a joint exhibition, um, yeah, in uh, end of August in, in Sydney, at, back at Boomgate, which is the uh, the uh, art gallery attached to Long Bay. I'm very, very much looking forward to that. But uh, yeah, I think we're about out of time, unfortunately. So, But uh, yeah, thanks a lot for being on the program today. And uh, yeah, it's been great having you here. Uh, thanks. Thank you for having me. Um, I just would like to thank one person. That's uh, Jan Birmingham. She was uh, inspirational in my life. She passed away a few years back now, but I just want to I just want to tell you this story just quickly. She um she just used to give me such a hard time. I, I just think that she used to hate my artwork, and basically, her son rang me and said, "Oh, do you want to go to uh, Jan's funeral?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, I'd, I'd love to go." Like, oh, yeah. I I don't think she um liked my work very much, and he's like. Well, I think she did. We've actually got one of your paintings in our lounge room. So it's like, um, yeah, it was pretty, pretty powerful thing. So she, she never ever let on for our whole relationship in about four years that she liked any of my work, but she bought one of my biggest pieces and was in our lounge room. So um, she kind of was speaking to me after she passed on. So Yeah, oh, that's beautiful. I think the teachers in the corrective services are pretty much one of the most powerful assets that we have in that system, and there should be a lot more. So I think we're going to work on getting that done. Yeah, no, it'd be great to, to see more support in there. And uh, unfortunately, that's one of the things that has to change. But she was no more broken than a spear with a chipped blade. Marks like those were signs of strength. Marks like those were signs of signs of strength. Well, that brings us to the end of Season 1 of Broken Chains. To find out more about Broken Chains, either go to the Newcastle Library's website or visit my own website, damienlinane.com. That's D-A-M-I-E-N-L-I-N-N-A-N-E. Broken Chains is produced by Newcastle Libraries and is recorded on the traditional land of the Awabakal people. Music for Broken Chains is provided by Louisa Magrix. Check out more of her work at soundcloud.com forward slash music LXM. Thanks for listening to Broken Chains, everyone. Don't forget to smile, and hopefully we'll be back for another season. Dimes of strength. Marks like those were signs of... Dimes of strength. This has been a Newcastle Libraries Real production. As a companion to this podcast series, the exhibition of Broken Chains... Prisoners Unlocking Potential is available to view until the 7th of November 2021. You can experience this exhibition either online through the Newcastle Library's website or in person at Walls End Library. COVID health orders and restrictions may affect access across our branches, so please check before planning your visit. Links to the exhibition and research for the topics discussed in this episode are in the show notes. <laughs>